0: Hi, Eva. Just sending you a because it's quicker than typing. So I've been thinking about the final episode and I was thinking maybe we could interpret rebirth as the rebirth of culture. It's like the moments of history, which um, certain ideas have resurfaced and stuff. Then we can swerve it back to the submissions, which are kind of like personal rebirth stories, maybe. I mean, depends how you look at creative process in it. Uh, let me know what you think.
1: Hey, I'm just about to go to Lidl, but okay, let me just quickly reply. Um, Weird, first of all, that this is going to be the last ever episode. And it's like, I was thinking as well, it's been, what, two years since we started and how, how much it's changed. That's also worth saying, I think. Because, like, oh, my God, when we first started, it was just me using that cracked version of Adobe Audition. Um, Just proof that you can teach yourself literally anything. But, yeah, I really, really, really love the sound of that rebirth of culture idea. Um, My mind goes straight to the idea of the rebirth of folk art. So, like, the arts and crafts movement, and then maybe the rebirth of it in the 60s. I think it is, 60s, 50s, 70s, around those three decades. And then obviously now, and I keep, I keep bringing it up, but the man as a sea shanty is like the most obvious example of that. Um, I was actually reading the other day. Oh, wait, my time's going to run out. Uh, hold on, I'll send you as another voice note. Okay, like Um. Yeah, so the Wellerman is actually... According to this Vox article, right, it's um, better described as a wailing song. And apparently people, well, Vox was like doing research, whatever. Vox found some people who said that the reason they think sea shanties have taken off is because, and this is, I think it's something like, they think it's, (laughs) the songs are unifying or like survivalist songs. um, And I guess it comes down to the idea that you people would sing these songs as a collective body in, in this kind of like metaphorical way to keep the ship afloat. So if, you know, if you you know, if your crew is like unified and like driven by a single purpose, you're more likely to, to, I don't know, be safe on the seas and stuff. But I think Vox was treating that with a pinch of salt because they were like, it's just a random trend. Although I don't think that's necessarily 100% true because all sorts of folk traditions are kind of coming back into the public eye. People are, you know, people love to make things with their hands. They love to, like, craft stuff. Um, but anyway, that's I, that's perfect. I think, like, if we go along those lines and relate it to the subs, that's, that's it, right?
0: Love that. Let's use that for our theme then. Uh, there's so much in there that I wanted like w- wanted to say, so I've like listened to that voice another, like a couple of times. And what's whack to me is like the Arts and Crafts movement, like it, its origins, and then how now, like if you've got a William Morris cup or William Morris wallpaper or something, you are like definitely bougie as fuck. Um, and yeah, that the Wellerman the Vox article. There's a great video by Adam Neely that's talked about the accents of the rhythms of sea shanties and and ship songs and how it was like hoisting masts and stuff, I'll um, send you a link to it. It's it's dope. Um, Sweet. So I guess then once we've done that introduction, uh, I'll introduce the first sub. So I'm thinking we should probably go with Harry Martin's Darkly Glimmering. Um Let me go on CurateSpace space and find the description for you one sec. Yeah, so this is the description Harry Martin wrote for Darkly Glimmering and it is a twisting, warping dronescape punctuated with stuttering melodic sharpnesses, thundering and collapsing until the storm dies away and light is released. It's an unfinished mix for an upcoming project made with electric guitar, vocals, and Reason synths, plugins, and effects. Um, I think it's dope. Let's um, let's put that in and let's cut that out. Who the photo, I think I am right on, man. <laughs> Sweet. So after Harry Martin with Darkly Glimmering, which is our first submission, I think we should keep on going with the idea of Rebirth. Uh, I was thinking, actually, I was making some food and I was like, we can't really get away with being an arts podcast, having an episode on the theme of Rebirth and not talk about the Renaissance. Except I really don't want to. Like, I really, really don't want to. Like, I get it, the Renaissance is great, but it's not the Renaissance. Like, just think about it for a minute. Like, we've got the Harlem Renaissance, the Islamic Golden Age, the Timurid Renaissance, the Bengali Renaissance, the 12th century Renaissance, the Tang Dynasty, the Tamil Renaissance. Fuck, that's not even including the translation movement, which literally rebirthed Hellenistic philosophy. It was a very angry cooking of the meal, but yeah.
1: Yeah, no, you're so right. Uh, Actually Googled, why do we care so much about the Renaissance? And I think it's like less that people actively care about the Renaissance rather than we live in a society that is designed and executed with renaissance ideals in mind right what comes to mind is um renaissance beauty ideals and actually there's a bbc show called civilizations which is a reboot of the 70s show civilization and one of the experts i think it's mary beardsley maybe that's mary beard Mary busy one of we'll find her anyway she talks about how we're so invested in the kind of um greek beauty ideal that's based on greek sculpture that was obviously in the renaissance kind of um uh put on a pedestal right or like what am i trying to say um exaggerated as being you know the perfection of human art and i think this is we don't realize how much we're still indebted to that way of thinking now because you know, the sculpted body, especially for men, that like young sculpted male body still exists in our mind as like the, the most beautiful thing. But what Mary Beards, Mary Beard, Mary Beardsley says is that it's, that's just one beauty ideal that we've just latched onto and believe to be objective. But, you know, in all other kinds of civilization that has not been... A beauty ideal. Anyway, that's what comes to my mind. Um, Sorry for the ramble.
0: Yes, I see your point and I love it. Uh, It's Mary Beard, I think. I'm not 100% sure. I think it is, though. Um, There's so much in that voice note to unpack. Like, I had to listen to it a couple of times and make notes. Um, And this is what I got. So, here we go. Um, I'll start a new one and then just send it over. So, I think there's something to be said as well of how educational societal and personal renaissance values are at work here as well like we still build ourselves off of them it's like think of da Vinci and the cult around da Vinci like you know people are like oh we'll never get a genius like da Vinci again um we might not but you know I don't know like come on like Imagine all of the people who, if they did get a great education, could be da Vinci's. Anyway, I digress. What I'm trying to say is that, like, we've stopped truly valuing these Renaissance values. They've sort of become, um, the, who is it? Come on, Will, think about this. One second, I need to Google something and then I'll, uh, I'll, um, I'll, uh, I'll carry on. Yes, okay, it was Baudrillard and the idea of simulation and simulacra, the idea that, like maybe our Renaissance, our values now that are rooted in Renaissance values are copies of copies of copies of copies. I mean the Renaissance itself is a copy of, as you said, you know, the ancient world, but back to values, we sort of lost sight of the truly rounded education that was part of the Renaissance. you know what I mean like we either specialize in the humanities or the sciences and we are taught to treat them as completely distinct and separate objects. I mean, you know, we're both huge fans of Mary Midgley, and we definitely think that, you know, they're two sides of the same coin. Again, uh, Renaissance values and the individual, that emphasis on individuality and rationality kind of seems to have almost become the root cause of our meta-modern. Malays, like individuality in the 21st century is a far cry from that of the Italian Renaissance. Like it's no great discovery that becoming, that we're becoming increasingly isolated from each other. Like, I think even the privileging of rationality is seen in decline. Like if behavioral economics, psychology, and the climate crisis is taught us like one thing is that we're truly not rational beings. Uh, Anyway, to get to my point, imagine if we started actively recognising the parts of ourselves and society that have their roots in other renaissances. Like, just imagine what that could do f- for us to understand ourselves. Ah, oh, It just makes me a bit shivery, you know?
1: Oh my God. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I think I I feel the same kind of shivery and excited about what kind of futures we could imagine or like ways that we could feel about ourselves and each other. If we foreground different ways of um, thinking about the past, i.e. bringing, you know, other kinds of Renaissance into the foreground and and also seeing how I think it's so much to go into, but I think like, The legacy of colonialism has so much to play in here as well about, you know, preventing those renaissances from becoming as like foregrounded as the Italian Renaissance, do you know what I mean? I feel like that's, I'm opening a big can of worms here, but that is always playing on my mind that like what we're doing now with this, with, you know, especially with the projects we're doing with b-sides and all this kind of stuff is we're trying to like bring different things to the foreground different like different histories different readings etc cetera, etc cetera. and I think that's like oh yeah anyway um oh wait what's happening oh I've sent it sorry I put, I put like my finger moved from the from the thingy um but yeah You're so right. And I guess in terms of like all the Renaissance, like all the different kinds of Renaissance, we should actually bring in a sub. Um, And I wanted to bring in Jamie Scott Dyson, I think, next, because do you remember he submitted for the last episode, but we had already put him in, in the previous one, and I kind of wanted to save him for the end because a he's been such a regular voice on the podcast and it's kind of you know quite nostalgic to bring him in at the end also love his music so the track jamie sent in is one sec uh wandering mind and not gonna lie kind of summarizes a lot of our conversations quite wandering and rambling anyway um what does he say he says this song is about how... Oh, why does it say? It? Oh yeah, uh, how exhausting it can sometimes feel to attempt to be present, to observe fully almost anything around you while also processing, processing it with the mind, like trying to dissect it and analyze it and, and write it down. And that can be quite bewildering and sometimes futile. And it doesn't quite 100% fit into Rebirth, but I I like the idea of how, you know, um, Rebirth is kind of like looking at something again, but you're picking out... Only certain bits of it. You can't fully represent everything, right? Because a rebirth is obviously interpretation of something that has already happened, but within a new context. So it, it kind of it kind of fits in that way. But anyway, we love Jamie, and then I reckon we'll we can put him on next. Yeah.
0: Yes, let's do that. I think James got Dyson with Wandering Mind would be great, and what he says about being trying to be present to observe almost anything and then write it down again I think that's like rebirth through and through you know like you're trying to take a moment you've experienced and then rebirth it through a you know a written piece or something like that and it's sort of like that impossibility of rebirth which depending on where you stand on you know ideas of like transmigration of the souls and stuff yeah I don't know I, I love it
1: Rebirth themed searches. I went onto the L fashion website, and apparently, the trends making a comeback are hot goth, bubblegum pink, disco ball, logos, monochrome, pastels, and clashing prints. You're welcome.
0: Let's be real though, like hot goth never really died. That reminds me, you know, like, I am loving seeing the resurgence of emo in the form of, like, e-boy and e-girls. And, like, in again, in another really weird sort of rebirth and referential thing. I don't know. I'm not Derrida. Um, There's, like, a rebirth of Vine via TikTok, but that has inadvertently created a reference to the heyday of, like, pete went standing myspace and tumblr i don't know like i am fully here for it
1: um yeah a hot goth is something that i definitely aspire to but when i was a kid i was definitely like mild scene kid nothing hot or goth about it um I remember I had fluorescent laces in my Converse, and that was my only concession to the goth life. Um, and I only listened to the charts. So, uh, actually, Will, speaking of me being embarrassing, I thought because it's the last episode, I kind of want to submit something I've made. <laughs> the sub I'm thinking of submitting. When we first got the mic for podcasting, um, I yeah, I would wait till everyone had left in the flat that when I was alone and I'd like hook it up to my computer get onto audacity and I'd just sing songs to myself like for age like too long and then I'd listen back and kind of auto tune myself and kind of like pretend that I was making an album and then when everyone came back I'd like pack it all away and pretend nothing had happened but um one that I kind of thought is quite funny and fits I think fits the theme is a song the beginning the first verse of the band played waltzing Matilda which is like a very old Australian folk tune I actually can't remember who came up with it I don't know if it's that old I need to I need to check the facts on that but I really love the version by June Tabor Um, and that's pure acapella and it's so beautiful and I basically spent an afternoon just like listening to the song singing it listening to it and then I tried to um, do something I tried basically try to give it like a a classy echo like I'm in a big room I'm on stage this is my time but then it just went really wrong and this is the result and I thought you know got to practice what I preach so this is <laughs> my Submission
2: When I was in a young man, carry me, carry me, carry me, live the
3: free life of my
2: life. All free. life all from Xi- from Murray's Green Bay sun to the dusty dusty, i To and the band the, played ship pulled the away away
3: from
2: the flag waving the in sailed off to That went wrong.
1: Hey, okay, so I reckon. Up next, we should have Alice Carvelli. And she sent in three spoken word submissions. And she, on her message, she said that maybe the third one called The Cleansing was the most on brand. So I think we should go for that one because it's about dreams and self-exploration and psychoanalysis. And I think that fits well with the theme of rebirth. You know, there is definitely a rebirth of those sorts of practices you know everyone loves to dream journal everyone everyone loves that I guess but yeah I reckon we'll have Alice Covelli the cleansing
4: sides, so appearing into one while one. this clearing mm-hmm. another. It saturated with a distinctly different feeling. A fragile mm-hmm. sense of ephemeral safety and comfort linking. Mm-hmm. Across the vast, precarious, London timescapes of mm-hmm. Impand. often dense, in memory, on energy-filled objects. On them we had to leave, always in transit, perpetually floating between worlds. Uncertainty was not the enemy though. We had to surf and slide, untangle and surface as water flows in jagged rock and see my mother in it. Then, when the call was heard, and we were ready, the laser came to be found in the present. And in the big, cold space, we stood with the big buzzing world around us. A long time I had waited, longed for it. And now the time had come. In this large industrial dream space, with huge 30-glass windows up to the high, high ceiling, letting in the cold, clean light to distill our essence. The grime and the purity. Existing simultaneously in the space surrounding us Reflecting as it did the truth of the space inside us Encased as we were in concrete, glass and metal As we often are in waking life But there was so much room to dance Within and without and with each other Circling and spinning around the axis of each one, around their own between us, making, free, and purifying, from indoors, showering, pouring, from the world, falling from the high, high seas, and who we are laughing in wild abandon, locked in child's sadness, pure, and present, and alive. Yeah. Oh.
1: Um, oh, quickly, Will. I've just got to run to... Oh, shit. Sorry, I nearly dropped you. I've just got to run to the shop. Um, so just just pop what else you're thinking, RE podcast in the chat, and I'll reply when I'm back. Okay. See you in a bit. Bye.
0: Hey, I'm just on my lunch break at the moment, but I was thinking maybe we could bring in James Sewell's track in after your submission. Um... And I was thinking, it kind of occurred to me, that we should probably include a warning before we play it. Uh, The track's really powerful, but I think it might be quite upsetting. I think it could be quite upsetting for people whose family members have suffered with or have died from coronavirus. If that's the case, then listeners should skip to the 40-minute mark.
1: Hey, yeah, is that the accordion sub?
0: Yeah, it is. So from what I gathered from the description, James Sewell spent a lot of time last year repairing an accordion that belonged to his great-grandfather, a man who has remained alive in family legend as the one who was killed at 27 by a horse and carriage. It then got passed down as a family heirloom and was given to James 10 years ago. when his granddad died of a respiratory illness, he restored the instrument as a tribute to him. Title? Coronavirus Blues. I think we should let people digest that for a little while as well. It was, it was very powerful. Um, thinking ahead, though, do you reckon we could bring in Angela Nagel after coronavirus blues? You know, maybe we could touch on the rebirth of the far right?
1: Hi, yeah. Uh, definitely. I guess... When we introduce Angela, the main point to cover is the fact that um, her whole book, Kill All Normies, which is about the online culture wars, uh, that when does she kind of, she begins to talk about like 2016, or maybe even earlier. God, I can't remember. I should maybe grab the book in a sec. But anyway, it's kind of like the rise of the far right, the alt right on the internet and the kind of political correctness wars that happened between the alt writers on 4chan and the, the kind of left-wing Tumblr people um that's quite a reductive way of summarizing her book but just yeah just quickly and I guess the main theme that the book hinges on is the idea of transgression and how transgression is something that gets reborn in every generation in some shape or form and that it gets taken on by both the left and the right I think we sometimes forget that transgression is not just a kind it doesn't just belong to um kind of radical left-wing you know students you know who who are just like ah yeah peace and love and stuff Um, transgression has kind of been adopted by both sides of the political spectrum in various ways. Um, Let me go grab the book, actually. Hold on. Okay, so I've got the book. I'm just going to read the blurb. So it says, the publisher's zero books, and they're really cool. They do like non-academic style, but intellectual um things don't they that that was a really unintellectual way of describing it but you know i mean anyway so it says how internet subcultures are conquering the mainstream recent years have seen a revival of the bitter and heated culture wars of the 1990s But this time, its battleground is on the internet. On one side, the alt-right ranges from the once obscure and bizarre neo-reactionary and white separatist movements to geeky subcultures like 4chan to more mainstream manifestations such as the Trump-supporting gay libertarian Milo Milo Yiannopoulos. Yiannopoulos. On the other side of the wall, a culture of struggle, sessions and virtue signaling lurks behind a therapeutic language of trigger warnings and safe spaces... The feminist side of the online culture wars has its equally geeky subcultures right through to its mainstream expression. Kill All Normies explores some of the cultural genealogies and the past parallels of these styles and subcultures drawing from transgressive styles of 60s libertinism and conservative movements and to make the case for a rejection of the perpetual culture turn. It's so good. Oh, I kind of want to read it again. Anyway, we love this book, but I think that's... Yeah, she's talking about um, a revival of the bitter and he's a culture wars of the 1990s. And then I guess that's kind of what we're, we're still seeing is this. Um, the revival and iteration on those culture wars now on the Internet, which has its own like cavalcade of um, issues, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, oh, there's so much in that book. It's, it's so good. Uh, thank you for my copy, by the way. It was, it was a very nice gift. Thank you. Um, hold on. Let me formulate my thoughts and then send you in another message. So yeah, so I was thinking about Angela Nagel as well, and that idea of transgression in artistic movements. And you know, I think I've, I've we've spoken about this before. Back in honestly, first year of uni, and I was like, um, why does why, why does everything have to be transgressive? Like, why why is is art transgressive for like transgression's sake? And I think that's something that Angela Nagel hits on as well, and being like, look, you know. That's what the cultural left has been doing since the 70s. And now the right's doing it. And we're seeing this sort of layers of irony of, you know, oh, I couldn't possibly be so transgressive to be an outright not out to be an outright Nazi. And then it turns out, you know, they are an outright Nazi. They're just, just muddled with all these, those layers of irony. Um, but about that and like the rebirth of of Nazi symbolism and far right symbolism. Um it's just sort sort of fucked that um, like the Nazis couldn't even come up with their own fucking symbol. They had to steal the swastika, you know? Um, um, I think again, that shines a light on that like rebirth isn't necessarily always the Phoenix coming from the ashes and this wonderful thing. It can be a very gruesome and dark perversion, of things and we're definitely seeing that because there's fucking nazis out in the streets again on a note to do with that um everybody should check out riz ahmed's the long goodbye both the album and the short film um yeah Watch a short film and then, yeah, just 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 deal with it.
1: Yeah, I've really been meaning to set some time aside. I think once, um, once this is all up and, and finished, I kind of want to just take the time to sit and watch and listen. Um, is is the soundtrack in the film? Is is the, is it like? yeah is, is that how it works or like do I listen to them together or one person or the other anyway but actually what you were saying there also really reminded me of the new Adam Curtis documentary which is also really worth watching and you know that's also he also kind of um in a very like Adam Curtis style looks at the confluence of the left and right in terms of transgression and the kind of overlaps and undistinguishable moments where left becomes right, right becomes left, they kind of meet in the middle, they muddy. And one of the like key figures, whose name I can't remember, he's like a Russian revolutionary. He left Russia, lived in New York for a bit, it was basically I think he wanted the Soviet Union to end, and then he escaped Russia during. The Soviet Union then it dissolved he went back to Russia he was kind of tr- oh god there was it was so complicated but um what he then did is then he kind of he thought that maybe the end of the Russian at, at the end of the the collapse of the Soviet Union a kind of like better society would be reborn but it was just the you know the oligarchs um who were super corrupt and that was, you know, not the kind of vision of, of the future for Russia that he, he thought was necessary. And then he basically started this movement that was kind of down with this version of democracy that had been chosen by whoever had come into power. And then he started to adopt fascist, especially Nazi, Nazi fascist, um iconography like like the swastika but instead of the the swastika he uses the same colors but then he uses the hammer and sickle inside the swastika you know like yeah the flag and kind of pro-fascist and again you know kind of um got all these like young men on board because they were just you know unhappy with the way that this new democracy had been set up but anyway it just that reminds me then of like how Rebirth, you know, the rebirth of a country, for example, after revolution, isn't straightforwardly positive, And I doesn't seem, doesn't seem to have ever been positive, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like it's, I think we're treating it quite lightly now, but, and it it's scary. It's really scary.
0: Yeah. Um hit the nail on the head there as well i just want to say like i got a bit irate in that voice message but it's it's hard not to but the anger wasn't directed at you it was just you know the situation i'm not telling you to deal with it i'm telling everybody else who's not doing the work go and fucking deal with it and that fear really does become apparent when you watch um the long goodbye I guess we should go to a submission, right? (sighs) At some point soon. Um, Maybe not. Let me get back to you on that. Sorry to double message. I do want to get to a submission, but I think there's a couple of more things that we could unpack conceptually. Um, I think we could maybe talk about, like, the individual individualism at the moment. I don't know. Let me know what you think.
1: The only thing about the, indiv- it, like, the age of individualism that I wanted to bring up is maybe how we're seeing in this part of the... Tw- I guess the the latter half of the twentieth century into the twenty first century this new form of um individualization emerges um and we i you know it's something that we potentially don't realize how invested we are in it, but the kind of like you know you do it alone, you know it's like self-care I think even comes into that like you know you your health your mental health you know the focus on the self and the, and the person as an as an individual unit um is kind of like is a is a very it's kind of like a new conceptualization a new a new way of being human maybe and that's definitely what Curtis talks about and Nagel to a certain extent as well because you've got like the alt right and the Tumblr left, sort of warring about what you know, what's acceptable, is an acceptable way to to be a person at the moment, and especially on the internet. I guess this is the thing, right, with the internet culture wars that it's so much of it is so contained within the internet. And I'm just spitballing here, but it's you know, the reason it's half these conversations have happened on the internet is because they couldn't really happen in the real world because the internet conditions a certain kind of communication, certain kind of community. So it just feels like they're responding to each other's version of community that is just on the internet. But then you have it weirdly overspilling into real life and it does spill over onto real life in really dangerous ways. And you think like, maybe it's because these two worlds, the internet and and, you know, at the outside in some ways, super incompatible. I don't know. That's just a thought I just had, but yeah, I think the age of the individual is, um, yeah, it's, it's just something that is, has kind of like, yeah, had a, had an interesting rebirth and will probably continue to have interesting iterations, but it's a weird one because on the one hand, now more than ever we feel like we need to latch onto a sense of community in whatever way we can and maybe this is like yeah online communities like 4chan and tumblr this is this is what they are is like a a a way of resisting that like insane loneliness that comes with the age of the individual but at the same time you're kind of like holding desperately on to the idea of you as a an isolated unit and and whatever I think maybe for the left that comes down to like not not appearing to do the wrong thing you know like being um was it like virtue signaling that's like maybe defending the self protecting the self from from doing the wrong thing I don't know
0: yes I completely agree um no surprises there uh before I like tried to drop off the face of the internet there was this thing going around about being um, a main character. Like, I, do you have, like, a main character energy or, like, a like supporting cast energy? I don't know. And it was, I was like, God, this is just sort of, you know, hyper-individualism, you know, repackaged of, you know, like, you've got to be the main character. Like, everybody else is supporting character. I'm like, nah, fuck that. I want to be a supporting character. Like, I want to, you know, get, get the protagonist the fucking sword. Like, I don't know. Anyway, I think at this point, listeners will be sick to death with my voice. Um, and let's bring in Kitty's submission, I think. Let me know. Bye.
1: Yeah, it definitely, definitely works well with Kitty's submission. Uh, so Kitty Handley's song is called Before and she talks about it Um, Well basically she says that She wrote the song at the end of last year In December Really in in a frustrated place Trying to like figure out the year that had happened Um, A lot of it was about self-improvement And it's questioning The idea whether she needs to change herself And be reborn in the new year Or whether that idea of like New year and you me Is actually bullshit She didn't say bullshit that was me ad-libbing um she said nonsense so okay and then we'll bring in kitty handley's track before Yeah so I guess like as we're we're kind of by this point we're probably at the end of the podcast kind of but you know what you you said I think you messaged it to me a while ago you're saying that we should like definitely include a bit on zines a bit on snitch Um, and I think that's a really good idea because zines are something that have been continually reborn throughout history to kind of serve different purposes, right? Um, and also, it's probably worth distinguishing what the majority of snitch publications are in relation to a zine, and this is something quite embarrassingly we only realised recently. But so, um, Penny Thoughts, obviously the the publication that we started doing um, it's it's technically called a broadside and a broadside is like a single sheet of paper that's that historically was distributed. Often it was like folk songs or like bits of news or, you know, kind of like, you know, art and stuff, but mostly folk songs. that were written, the, the lyrics to the songs were written um, and printed with like a woodcut heading. This was at the beginning of the, the dawn of the print printing press. Um. And they were just given out in in the streets for free. And Manchester weirdly has a very, I think, okay, could be wrong with the facts, but I think Manchester is like one of the places where the broadside originated. But anyway, um, zines, people printing things like to express themselves or to express a political idea or to kind of speak truth to power has existed, I think for as long as... The printing press has existed. Um, which is quite cool, actually. Yeah. Um, and I guess snitch is, you know, part of this tradition. It probably mostly resembles like punk punk scenes that were big in the 80s. So a lot of people who listen to punk bands would would make little zines about punk bands. Very like integrated with music. And then I would say in the last I think people always say like the birth of the zine culture we have now came with the Xerox printer. So that's when like literally everyone in their homes could just print off stuff, um, which is very cool. And that's, yeah, I don't know. I think the re the rebirth of the, of the zine in, in all these like different, different ways. It's, it's like the most exciting thing, isn't it? Um but yeah, I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, um, any any sort of argument that makes us heirs of Gutenberg is is I'll I'll buy it. It doesn't matter if it's valid or anything. I'll I'll buy that argument. Um, yeah, and I think with that 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 fact. Whether it's a fact or not. I, I I haven't had a chance to look on it. I, I'm gonna trust you. You know you know a lot about zines. I don't think I've got anything else to say. Um other than maybe yeah, other than maybe like I don't know, I kind of feel like we've done what we wanted to do and or at least I've done what I wanted to do or at least I've started doing what I wanted to do when I became a part of Snitch. Um, but there's so much more to do. I don't know. Um, I'm a bit a bit whacked out, but yeah. Um, then I suppose we've got to do the intro, right? Uh, let me send you a separate note for that. Okay, so for the outro i realized in my last voice note i said intro when i said i was pretty waxed out like I, I, I meant it um we should mention the shop the website penny thoughts episode 50 a new curriculum dylan zine and the print bundle i guess we can always link to those in the description in the show notes but maybe do you want to give a uh, little description of those
1: yeah I you know it's um just to kind of you reply to your your other note there that you know this snitch has been for for me as well like the start of started the rest of my life in terms of knowing what I like to do and you know we've kind of had a taster of the things that we're interested in and, oh, um, somebody's sneezing behind me. Um, but, yeah, I guess because this is going to be the last episode, we've got to say that all of these snitch goings-on, all the printed stuff is going to be available on the shop from the 1st of March, I think, that's what we've said. Yeah, Penny Thoughts issue 50, which is the printed, the, yeah, the last ever printed issue of penny thoughts will be available to buy for two quid um then you and i will obviously we've we've got to plug b-sides the b sides journal art history journal which we've been working on called a new curriculum reimagining an art history curriculum that prioritizes the overshadowed or obscured artists thinkers curators um the ones that haven't really made the Canon before. And that's going to look really nice. And then we've got a zine bundle full of all sorts of um, printed bits or print bundle, which will be available to buy for a fiver, I think, which includes um, a zine by one of our Snitch members, Dylan. And that's a, an accumulation of works that the members of Snitch have made. And oh tote bags there'll be tote bags for sale so yeah i guess we just have to remind listeners that that's gonna be that's gonna be hot stuff to grab um yeah and then i guess that's we're nearly at the end you know that's that's crazy okay we're at the end wow um one more track
0: shit yeah um one more track, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. It, it's weird trying to put into words what, what Snitch means to me and like has done for me and hopefully what I've done for it. I don't know. It's just, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. Oh, my God. I'm actually getting a bit emotional. Um, it's hard to put it into words that sound sincere, especially as this is going on a podcast, I guess huh um so i guess for our last track um we'll go for colorless days which is something made by myself and you or is that just you know ego publishing i don't know let's let the listener decide
1: yeah that's it then Thank you.
2: instinct, perhaps more like osmosis in the way it pushes us to the green, the open, the more. It has become dark, and I will begin again, counting, bribing myself with kernels of time. Everything has come to an end.